Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Wait, so you really want to make a podcast? Do, 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 do. Yeah, what if we just sang our um, music? Maybe we should get some real music, Samantha. The podcast king. Oh, you're still recording. Three. Survival Jobs is a podcast spotlighting artists, their side hustles, and their passions. Hosted by Samantha Titsolo and Jason A. Coombs. Boom. Sweet. Okay. Love it. Hi, Jason. Hey, how are you? I'm sweating my ass <laughs> off. Yes, it is summer. <laughs> it is summer. And the to city. the listeners, we <laughs> turn off all of our air conditioners and our fans to give you guys the best sound. And we're sweating. And I hope and you guys... the windows have, are closed. The windows are closed <laughs> to avoid outside sound. Um, you'll probably hear my brother marching up the stairs and hear his TV because for three <laughs> months, uh, I guess he doesn't understand what I say. Hey, I'm recording. Can you be quiet for 10 minutes? <laughs> so don't worry, guys. Maybe soon I'll be in my own apartment, hopefully in mid-August. Yes, that'll be nice. I yes. hope so too. So what I was trying to, I was t- going to tell you before, Jason, is like, I mm. am super excited to get back to New York. I'm super excited to explore all this, but I'm so scared of this fucking Delta strain. And I have not yeah. done enough research on it, but my biggest fear is to like get a job, get an apartment, put all this money out, get back to New York. And then boom, we're back to March 2020. So I don't want to manifest yeah. that, but it's just scary. Well, I feel like we won't be going back to March 2020 because people are going to fight it. <laughs> people are going to be like, oh, my rights. Let's, let's go protest outside of fucking Billy, Billy Joel. Joel. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, those are real concerns you have. And I mean, I don't know what to say, honestly. It's just, I just wish this was over. <laughs> COVID is just a mess. Oh, my still. God. I know. How um, are you? Hot. Hot. And I feel like, <laughs> no, I just feel like it's just hard to be pleasant you know like when it's just so hot you're just like i'm just like constantly because we don't have ac in, the, in my house we don't have like central ac we just have like fans and fans don't really help in the middle of the daytime you know like at nighttime is not too bad but like you know we're recording this podcast in the middle of the afternoon and it's you know it's like 90 degrees and it's hot and it's just like hard to like not yeah. be an asshole yeah <laughs> when you're just I am like grateful. constantly wet yeah i am grateful though for the sweating <laughs> because i'm hoping that i'm burning a lot of calories oh same like um, the the pandemic pounds maybe are getting sweat out during these <laughs> sessions so thank you yeah <laughs> thank you to survival jobs i don't know does yeah, that survival jobs I, but when you're sweating because of the heat are you sweating out probably just water who knows who cares yeah, you, you gotta keep drinking water so yeah y'all keep drinking water keep stay hydrated in the water people this heat is no joke it i mean depending no on where you are joke. Jason, how was your time in Mystic? I cannot believe we were in Mystic literally <laughs> At the 10 same minutes time. from each other and didn't see each other. I know. Other. We'd like just missed each other. I know. Um, I was trying to stay off my phone in general. So like try to just like be in the moment, That's which is nice. like so hard nowadays. So hard. But yeah, it was really fun. I really like Mystic. It's such a nice little city. Or not a little city. It's a fucking little small town. It's, you know, really cute. It was uh, great weather. I think that day was it Saturday. It like rained a little bit in the daytime, but then it got really nice. Yeah, it was. Um, I love the ships. We were gonna take like a little ferry thing, but we didn't do it. Oh, Next we time, wanted to do that too, and we didn't do it because Aww. it was sold out. We wanted to do yeah, a it was sold out, boat. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my! What if we were on the same one? That would have been so funny. Oh, can you imagine? All of a sudden, we're on this <laughs> boat, and I'm like, hello. 
You're I like, see oh, you let's weekly, get our but I haven't seen you in person <laughs> in uh, over a year and over yeah. a year. <laughs> let's take out our podcast mic and do this episode on go the boat. live. <laughs> we haven't we gone should, live. Oh, Maybe when I'm in we Vegas, we should go live. That'll be fun. I'll be drunk. So Samantha, today I was sorry. I was like fanning myself with my shirt. So if you hear that weird noise in the background, that was me trying to get some hair, some get air get underneath it. my get it, babe. t-shirt. But uh, I was looking on Facebook this morning. You know when they tell you your like your flashback, your memories. Yes. There was a memory from I think it was 2017 when you posted these pictures huh? of Kathy yes. Griffin in, in in honor of Connie Griffin. Ka- Connie Griffin, sorry, in honor mm-hmm. of Kathy Griffin mm-hmm. with those with those terrible uh, quotes from the former. The Twice impeached, president. disgraced, Ill- illegitimate president. Yeah. So I was like, wow, I was going to send it to you. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'll just talk about it today. Yeah. I was so, so upset when she got blocked. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, when she did that photo. <laughs> Kathy uh, Griffin. Kathy Griffin <laughs> in the blue dress. It's a famous photo. If you don't know it, just look up Kathy Griffin photo. I'm sure it's the first thing that will come up. She did a photo mm-hmm. with this like super artistic artist. They were doing a photo shoot for something else. And then he was like, let's like play and like do this. And she fucking hated Donald Trump because rightfully so, because read the room. Because yeah. read the news. He's a rapist. <laughs> right. Hello. And amongst uh, other things, amongst, amongst other terrible other things. Terrible things. Racist, and, bigot, mm-hmm, uh, divider, mm-hmm. uh, unpatriotic. I mean, I can go on and on, Keep but going. I'll stop for now. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, and so she, that picture was released, and within hours, she was fired from fucking everything. New Year's yeah. Eve, she lost every deal she had, every contract, people were dropping her, Anderson Cooper was, like, rude, people were rude. Yeah. Uh, and well, rude is, like, not the word, but, like, people just isolated her, fired her, everything. Yeah, and she was canceled. She was fucking majorly canceled. literally yeah and um she you can listen to her talk about it a little bit more in depth but uh, joan rivers was still alive at the time and called her and said something awesome and i can't i don't want to say it because i can't remember it yeah. entirely but was like this is every comedian's dream like good for you yeah. <laughs> and then jim carrey yeah. said something along those lines maybe jim carrey said that but there were people who reached out who were supportive but at the end of the day she was yeah. fucking being investigated by the FBI. She was on the do not yeah. fly list. Then she was doing like a world tour, an international tour because she couldn't perform here. Here in the United States. Yes. So she was being held at airports, being called a terrorist, like horrible, horrible things. And people have a lot of different opinions on this, but my personal opinion was that she's a fucking artist. She's a comedian. Yeah. Whether you thought that was funny or not, like, do I think that photo was funny? No. Do I think she shouldn't have done it? Yeah. Like, that was, like, a little too... I don't know. But, like, by the way, that's her artistic voice. No, do I think she shouldn't have done it? No, I take it back. Like, she should have done it because she's a fucking artist and she has a platform and she has a voice and she should do whatever the fuck she wants because freedom of speech. She wasn't really, like, threatening his life. Whatever. So, really long story short, I was so upset. And so I then did a photo shoot with a few friends with Jason's camera. You did borrow my camera. That's yeah. so cute. Yeah, and here we are. Just sort of artistically depicting horrible quotes Donald Trump had said in the past. Yeah, then I, I looked at it today, and it was there were some awful things that yeah. you just totally forget about because he's done so many other awful things. Yeah. Like, and I try not to let him take up space in my mind, but yeah. that was a 
one of the wow. quotes was like, yeah. if somebody has a flat, ch- if a woman has a flat chest, like she's never going to be a 10 and something about yeah. like, if my dinner's not home waiting, da, 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 da. just like bullshit things that he definitely said and people can fight. Well, he didn't say whatever, but yeah. I really think that if Kathy Griffin was a man and did something, a male comedian or a male mm-hmm. actor and used their platform to express something artistically, the man would not have been fired from their jobs and lose contracts and be fucking investigated that heavily by the FBI because she's a 110-pound woman with a loud mouth uh, and and, and speaks up and says what she wants. She was really attacked, and it was horrible. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm talking so much, but this pisses me off. No. And then I saw her show shortly after, and, like, her sister was dying from cancer around this time. Yeah. People were sending fucking horrible letters to the hospital to her sister like you should die your sister's an asshole her mom was in a nursing home like death threats to her mother like okay whatever your opinion is about this at the end of the day she has a platform and she has every fucking right to express herself she never said Mm -hmm. like oh I wish Donald Trump was dead and here I am holding his head like yeah she was it was art and you can fight me on that it's her platform and it's her freedom of speech and if she was a man she would not have gotten the backlash that she did so exactly. thank you for bringing that up and those photos were I mean I co-sign co-sign everything you said have you been keeping up sidetrack a little bit the whole Britney Spears thing wow yeah yeah how about you what do you think about all that well you know I feel like I don't know enough to talk about it I remember having a conversation with when I was in LA with one of my good friends in LA and I, I was, I hate saying devil's advocate. I don't think I was playing devil's advocate. I was just saying, I don't, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes of like any celebrity. So I feel like we, like, I know like people are like, oh, well, you know, before this recent audio came out, like, I know, like, it's just, we, we, we see stuff in the media and we think we know, but we don't know, right? We don't live with these people. So my whole thing was there might be a reason why she is under conservatorship still. And as someone who was a huge fan of Whitney Houston, as we all know, who tragically died due to, you know, drugs and whatnot. Like, I always have this, like, I wish, like, maybe she had people in her life that cared so much about her that would want to not, like, you know, not just use her and, like, make her go on tour and stuff and, like, work her sick when she had no voice and, like, all this other stuff. But, um, you know, hearing, like, a little bit of this recent audio, I just feel like, I feel like like a man, like a male performer would never have this happen to him. Like, I feel like men would never be in that situation where they would have a conservatorship over them, number one. And like, they would never like, so I just think at the, at the end of the day and like some of the horrible things like the IUD and like, you know, not being able to just get in the car, be getting a car. Yeah, that's horrible. And And also I I just fucking dad, sorry. Profited $60 million. Like, of her money. I think it's such bullshit. Sure. Like, yeah. maybe she was having a mental breakdown. Maybe they did need to help her manage her money at one point. But if you've watched that documentary, let's look at why. Let's look at yeah. why. She was fucking under a microscope. Everything she did was criticized. She yeah. was being asked about her boobs and asked if she fucked Justin Timberlake. 
What about yeah. her art? What about the reason that she became Britney Spears was because she liked to sing and perform, and then it took a major yep. turn, and it looks like the topic of our mic check is like, women are treated <laughs> differently than men, and they are, and it's of bullshit, course, yeah. and, and, and yes, sure, we've come a long way, but not far enough, and yeah. Not far enough. Not far enough at all. Yeah, I mean, co-sign everything you just said, and I just... I um, love that you're saying that today. That could be our <laughs> new thing, co-sign everything you said. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like I don't need some mansplain things to you or, like, you know, talk over you. Oh, um, I talk over you every chance I get, so <laughs> no, fucking don't. talk right over me, Jason. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I just, you know, I think people should have control over their bodies, and, and especially women need to have control over their bodies, mm-hmm. so... Um, so like I've said, we don't know the whole story, but I am just hoping and wishing that she finds the peace that she deserves because she worked very hard for her empire that mm-hmm. she doesn't have access to. I'm sending love. I'm, I, everybody always knows, like, I was always team Christina. And like, let's, we should also talk about how, like, the media has always, like, kind of pitted them yeah. against each other, which they always do with women. So we also need to get into that eventually oh, wow. one day. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's stop. Let's stop hitting women, powerful, successful, amazing women against each other. And like, I'm not going to like, I've been guilty of that in my past as well. So long story short, let's all send love to Miss Britney Spears, who's like such a pivotal person in our, feel like in our childhood, especially like mine. I remember, I can remember the first time I saw that baby one more time video. Me too. You know, like. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. Let's send love to Britney. Let's free Britney. We want Britney to be happy, guys. Yeah. So we talk about Pedro. Yeah. Our guest today. Yeah. He's hot as fuck, so. Yeah, can you tell and us And also his super bio? kind. Oh, yeah. Jason. Jason, actually, I'll do the bio. Thanks. Thank oh, you. Pedro Morello Jr. <laughs> hails from Washington Heights in Uptown Manhattan. A decorated veteran to the hip-hop and break dancing community for over 22 years. Damn. And now a force <laughs> to be reckoned with on the big and small screen as an actor. In addition to dance and acting, Pedro is a motivational speaker throughout the five boroughs of New York City where he inspires children up to the age of senior year in high school. Uh, The importance of being educated and the will to succeed. He has a ton of credits, but some Mm -hmm. of his previous credits as a dancer include the MTV VMAs with Nick Jonas. Are you kidding? The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon with Will Smith. Saturday Night Live with Selena Gomez. As an actor, some of his highlights are Orange is the New Black, Girls on HBO, The Affair, my (laughs) all-time favorite people, Law & Order, SVU, duh, Blue Blue Bloods, excuse Mm -hmm. me. Some credits on film are Money Monster, Sisters, Angelfish, After Louie, and In the Heights. Those are just some of his credits, people. This guy is amazing, and I'm so, we (laughs) are so excited to talk to him. And then let's go get him in the Zoom room. Hi, Pedro. So, I'm sorry if I pass out, Pedro, because it's fucking hot as balls (laughs) Uh, (laughs) in my recording studio. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. I'm here for you guys, so. Thank you. You're blessed with your your silent AC. Yes, we're so happy to have you. Welcome. Uh, Thanks for having me, you know. It's uh, it's something nice to do, and I always like to give back. I consider myself a man of the people. So if I can provide any information that helps anybody out, then absolutely, I'm, I'm I'm all about it. 
Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, do, I know I was telling you before, I did a full stalk of you today just to, like, get to know you a little bit because <laughs> I was so excited. You know, Jason and I, we sort of flip, like, I know this person or he knows this person and then we bring them on. So every time it's one of Jason's people that I don't know, I get so excited to meet somebody new <laughs> and get to know someone, a fellow artist, and I'm right so on. excited. Yeah, I mean, we're a small yeah. community, you know. Yeah. At some point, we're all going to know each other, and at some point, we're all going to collaborate. That's just how it works. Exactly. And Pedro, like we said in your intro, you're like a, um, a quadruple threat. <laughs> you're a dancer, you're an actor, you're a podcast host, you're an inspirational speaker. You I do, try, like, everything. I, I, I try, you know. It's, um, you succeed. I, this, is, this is all I do. I, I, I dedicated my life as an artist since I was... 14 years old and wow. all like mm. just just figuring it out on the road you know so that's why i said i'm a man of the people i'm an open <laughs> book you guys got me whatever you guys need if it's inspirational whatever the case is i'm here for that absolutely love that and by the way i want to <laughs> give you guys a, a shout out and a congratulations because as a fellow podcaster you know or anything you do from the ground up it's not easy you're figuring out a lot of things, and not only are you figuring things out, but you guys are collaboratively bringing things together and creating art, which not a lot of people do. So, big props and shout-outs to the two of you. Keep Aww. it keep it going, all right? Don't get discouraged Thank you. for the low numbers or whatever the case may be. Just just push through. Oh, that's sweet. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. I'm lucky that yeah. I have a partner like Jason, so we're doing it. <laughs> well, Jason is Jason is a, the coolest guy I've ever met. Jason, I know. like I, I got so much love for you, dude. Yo, and the way we met That's is the most interesting nice. way ever, too. Like I'll never forget that, you know. And, Wait, can and, you tell? Can you tell Sam? I was trying to tell her, yeah, but you guys tell her. Meet? So we have a mutual friend who did the Manny. lighting. Yeah, Manny. <laughs> Manny was the lighting guy at the Highline Ballroom, and the night before, we're working together. You know, I, I, I do um, master of ceremony work for like parties and whatnot. And I told him, dude, what are you what are you up to tomorrow? Are you sleeping in? He's like, no, I got to be up at like 5 a.m. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I got to do lights for um, drag brunch at the Highline Ballroom. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. And he's like, come, I, I got you. And the moment you put those three words together, I got you. You got me. That's it. I, I'm. I'm in there like a wedgie. There's no way you're getting me out. I'm in there like a wedgie. <laughs> so I bring my 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 super hot girlfriend Mache. Yes. Yes. Shout out to Mache. So so I bring Mache over and we catch this super fun drag show. But the first person I run into is none other than Jason. Right He's the that first door. guy. Yeah. Right. Big smile, adorable <laughs> teddy bear guy. I gave him a big hug. I was like, oh, we're gonna be friends. <laughs> this is happening. This is happening. Because you were checking in on that guest list. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> king of the guest list over there at the Highline. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I love oh, that. My that's gosh. so sweet. That's so funny. Highline Ballroom brought a lot of people together and made a lot of. Yeah, Samantha worked there. Yes, I did. That's a good story. And now here we are, all together, 2021. Yeah, I was gonna um, ask you, how have you been over the course of the pandemic? How have I like, been? And it's been a yeah, it's been a wild sixteen months. Oh man, I I didn't even know it was that much. <laughs> I appreciate you for counting on our behalf. Um, yeah, it it has been a while. You know, for the for the most part, look, I'm gonna keep it real. It's been a roller coaster ride. 
Some days I feel very happy. Some days I feel very energetic. I feel very inspired. And then there are some days mm-hmm. that I feel the complete opposite. I, I just, you know, I, I start thinking, woe is me. I, I get very much in here in my, in my, in my head and thinking, Man, you know, you start you start letting like ageism kick in. You start letting in like the injustices of the industry that we're in kick in. You know, so you you start to then think, can, can I still do this? So I went through a lot of mm. um, self discovery, and you know, in January I of twenty twenty, I got into transcendental meditation. And oh, wow. it was clutch because then, you know, a couple of months later, we'd be in this disaster that we're nearly coming out of, you know, and, and that helped out a lot. Yeah. And I can tell you that to answer your question, how have I been throughout the pandemic? I would answer that by saying I've been a student because I've been mm. learning a lot about myself about a lot of, you know, people, my girlfriend, family, and just, you know, everybody around me. It's been a very emotional roller coaster where it's been a learning experience to say uh, nonetheless. Yeah, it's... Go ahead, Jason, sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say, I like that you said that you were a student, like you are a student, because I feel like we all were learning new things about each other and ourselves. And like, you know, I, I think that's the perfect way to describe it. Go ahead, Sam. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was pretty much going to say the same thing of just taking this whole experience and that is looking at it in a sort of positive way. Like, okay, I'm walking away from this having learned X, Y, and Z rather than looking back being like, well, that was fucking shitty because I was feeling X, Y, Mm. and Z and negative and I gained the weight or didn't or this or that. I didn't accomplish this. I didn't do this instead of looking at that and with such a negative narrative. Well, well, we're always going to be in negative times Mm. you know if you look back in history we're always going to be in something involved in something we're humans we're we're, Mm -hmm. we tend to always aim for conflict you know it's kind of like for sure um one of the things i did during the pandemic was i finally took a ucb class yes and you you know (laughs) and it's not my first rodeo at improv it was just never done with ucb and one of the things that Mm. ucb teaches you is you know you don't want to go for the for the negative always you 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 want to figure out how you can how you can add the word and like how can you Mm -hmm. two things to Mm -hmm. to continue the the you know the back and forth between you and your fellow scene mate so we're always we're always going to be involved in something that will bring out the worst in people but then it comes down to how can you quiet that noise or that hype and how can you elevate mm. yourself from when you first started in this mess? Right. You know, there was a bull rush when the pandemic began. So one of the things I had to learn was mastering sound, which we discussed, you know, about like, you know, my podcast. I started my podcast. But before that, in acting in the in, in the in the legit world of, you know, in the industry, I I was obsolete. That's it. You we couldn't do anything because of COVID. So yeah. the, peop- the the people that actually stayed in business were voiceover actors. Mm-hmm. So then you had a bull mm-hmm. rush of people trying to buy all types of equipment, all types of stuff to, <laughs> to, to, to keep up. But now it's a bull rush. Now there's a back order on a ton of equipment that's pivotal to doing the, you know, it just, it. so then it, it put me in a position of like, all right, I am now a sheep and I'm following the shepherd. 
How can I stray out of this while they do this? How can I think outside of the box to figure out what can I do before the mass discovers this and I jump in that? And that's what I mean by I've been a student trying to figure out everything is very, everything before the pandemic was linear. We wanted to be actors. We had a survival job. Holla, name of the podcast. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we were just very straightforward and linear. And now the <laughs> pandemic taught us how can you look in every other direction that you might have mm. missed because of, you know, the blinders we had on. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. So so to make a hard turn transition, speaking of survival <laughs> jobs, <laughs> you know, I definitely stalked you, talking about stalking you again, and you are successful and you have worked a ton of different gigs, like, good for you. <laughs> you must have not gotten over there overnight. So what was your best survival job on your way to you know, starting to be a working actor. So I got to give a shout out to Pedro Murillo Sr., my dad. Um, yes. He, um, as a kid, you know, I'm, I'm of a, a brown Dominican descent. You don't see many of us on TV like that. Mm-hmm. It's starting to get a little better. But when I was a puppy coming up, you know, hmm. you, I didn't see many people like me on TV for me to believe that I could see people like me on TV. You know, the only Mm -hmm. person I had, believe it or not, and I told him this too, was Johnny Legs, John Leguizamo. He was the only Latino, like, from New York, from the hood, that I was like, man, if he can do it, I can do it too. I can't put Antonio Banderas on there because my... my (laughs) My guy was very successful in Spain, and, and it was just yeah. different. It was just different. Yeah. Yeah. But Johnny Legs was like my inspiration looking up, and my father, Pedro Morello Sr. So through him, he produced and created his own TV show on public access. So I learned about public access, which was like the YouTube here in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And I saw my father do that, and that inspired me to want to do that you know and he lived off of that so i'm correlating this to your question because i learned through my dad to work less and make more and it's about like (laughs) it's about that hustling and and being savvy and, and 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 witty with things so on my come up, because I focus primarily on on break dancing, I started off immediately since 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 I was like fourteen, like dancing. I had an agent, I I yeah. had representation, so I was already in the industry by luck, by chance, as I knew people around me that were doing that too. Yeah. So I would teach classes when I wasn't booking work, you know, and then mm-hmm. I would I just. I just had the right people around me that steered me in that direction. And then seeing what my dad was doing, I was like, man, he was so right. It's about working less and making more. (laughs) And in the entertainment industry, when you, you know, when you get some success, some luck and you start getting some work here and there, then, you know, you just go with it. And then you just don't want to look back. So you put it in your mindset that this is what it's got to be. So, yeah. you know, I taught and I booked work. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> Taught and then booked. Yeah. Taught and booked. <laughs> taught and booked. <laughs> as a dancer. As a dancer. So were you teaching dance? So I was teaching breakdancing um, throughout all the boroughs here in Manhattan. I was fortunate enough to meet someone that was in private schools and public schools. Private schools were the best ones because obviously there's more money, which then means I get to charge more money. And it was really cool because there's this one school in particular in um, right here by, by Chelsea 
that mm. I got to meet all these like little celebrity kids. Not, uh. not that they were celebrities. Their parents yeah. were celebrities. And I was like, whoa. And that was my <laughs> first like um, networking that I got to, to I guess, Ooh, discover yeah, in my journey to becoming an actor. So in conclusion, your best survival job was teaching. Yeah? Yeah. I, I could say I could say early on was teaching because I've, I've never really had like a quote real job like clocking in somewhere and then clocking out it, it's 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 always been like talent skill based mm. that is the goddamn dream congratulations <laughs> like that's amazing thank you but it's not to take away of the fact that there are more people like me there are hundreds of thousands of people like me so it's it's not easy to get to that point. It, of course. Patience and, and perseverance. And like good mental health, you know, to like sidetrack yeah. a little bit. The pandemic for me really helped me understand the importance of mental health and staying positive and like keeping focused in order to move forward in whatever it may be in, in relationships, in a job search, in your art, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, just to throw that in there, too, keeping that good mentality probably helped you be able to, to you know, keep involved in the arts and not have to do a clock-in job or whatever. It, it also yeah, helped that I lived jobs. at my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the majority of my teens, I, I lived at my parents' house. So it also helped out a bit. But then I hit my 20s and it was like, all right. Gotta go. Gotta t- go. Time to figure this out. <laughs> Jason said, fuck the clock in jobs. <laughs> it's true. But that's, you, you know, there's a, there's a famous quote by um, John Patrick Shanley. That's always oh, stuck. He's a legend. Yeah, that's always stuck with me. He finishes it off by saying, "By you know, it, everything is like a muscle. You got to work on it more and more." And he finishes off by saying, "You take a deep breath and a giant mm-hmm. leap." And look, you're gonna fall flat on your face. You're gonna be broke for a hot minute. But if that's what you put out into the universe, and that's what you're going to get. If you decline all the other stuff that comes your way as far-fetched and crazy as that may sound when you're looking at bills and rent and stuff Mm -hmm. you're you're putting yourself in the position of this is the only thing that i'm going to do and god damn it this is it what what did you say a deep breath and a giant leap yes i love that (laughs) and i learned it while i was in acting school it was one of those uh one of those moments at the end of the year, my, my teacher was uh, reading quotes and stuff. And man, that stuff, uh, <laughs> that stuff really stuck to me. Sticks with you. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you said you started working professionally in the arts when you were 14. So is that the age you got the like acting bug or did that happen earlier because your dad was such an influence? And when you decided that you wanted to perform and be an actor, did your family react well to that? Like, what was their reaction? Well, when I started dancing back in 99, right? Just 10 years mm-hmm. before was the, at the, I guess, at the very height going towards the, the, the tail end, on its way to the tail end of the crack pandemic. So many of yeah. the people that were in the forefront of the crack pandemic, the drug dealers we're breakdancers, mm-hmm. gang members, breakdancing gang members. You know, that's the, that's yeah. the history of, of hip-hop, you know? It's, 
It's either you were a gang member and you became a break dancer, or you were a break dancer and you became a gang member or, or a drug mm. dealer. You know. So when I first said I wanted to be a break dancer, my parents were like, "No, that's that's not what you're <sighs> gonna do." They were yeah. totally opposed to it. And mind you, my dad was producing his own TV and doing his own artistry. But this one in particular, he wasn't about it. And me being first generation from a Dominican household, they just wanted me to focus on school and mm -hmm. get my education. But, and I For got sure. into a lot of trouble because I would sneak out. Oh, I'm going to walk my dog. Three hours later, I come back sweating from a practice. <laughs> you know, um, I brought in my first paycheck. At the age of uh, six, almost 16. So I was 15 on my way to 16. Wow. I brought my first paycheck. I did a little performance. They paid me like 350 bucks. So you can imagine this. Dang. You could imagine this. Me being a freaking 15-year-old in an inner city yes. school here in Manhattan <laughs> getting that kind of pay where all of us were like yeah. trying to wear the freshest Jordans. So of course I bought a pair of Jordans. With that, <laughs> but when I brought that check home, my parents were all about it. They were like, "Oh, okay, yeah, okay." And I said, "Look, I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not doing drugs. I'm I'm just trying to dance because I love it. And look, I, I'm I'm doing this now, and I made this much. Yeah. So that was what opened the opportunity. Cat, you know, that's that's what my b boy name is. Uh, uh my b boy yes. name is Sick Mode, C I K Mode, but the C I K yes. stands for Cash Is King. Oh. So yeah. when I showed them that cash is king, they were like, oh, okay. And we see, we they see sort you. of they sort of left me alone. But when you when you put a dancer in a commercial world, you for example, like myself, I, I signed on with an agency at a very early age. They were sending mm -hmm. me out on commercials. And it was either just reaction or, or dance or whatever the kids. So that yeah. was my introduction to like, oh my God, like I'm an actor. The this acting, the acting bug hit me, hit me when I was, I dare to say, six, seven years old, eight years old, something like that, because I would watch TV mm. or movies, and I would pause it and reenact it because I was like, oh that's, that's not, that's not how you do it, you know. So <laughs> this is how you do it, you know. So <laughs> from an early age, I started to believe in myself. <laughs> yeah, take it as cocky or confident, yeah. but I was already in that in that spectrum. But um, I was the same way. I used to be so jealous. I'm like, how is this kid on TV? Like, I would be so much better. Yeah, exactly. So, or like playing with my Ninja Turtles, I was like, oh my god, I'm like right? so much better than these people. Right. So <laughs> you you start to believe that you can bring something to the table, which we all can, you know, which we all absolutely can. So I would do that, but I just didn't know how to get into it. Same thing with breakdancing. Yeah. I wanted to get into it, but I just didn't know how to get into it. I I, yeah. I I then with dance met people and I was a little famous because I had this like uh, public access shows about a uh, public access show about video games. Like I would I would oh. I would record myself playing video games and I was like the host of this video game show. Oh, you're like you're like ahead of the times because that's what everybody does now on I, Twitch. I, was and on, I, I had a YouTube <laughs> moment before YouTube on public yeah. access. So because of that, I had this little fame and people would like want to be friends with me so i said oh i want to be a break dancer too and they just so happened to be dancing so i learned and as i kept dancing i just you know it just took me from mm. one place to another but the acting bug hit me because in 2007 six 2006 yeah. 
the, I, you know, I, I grew up in Washington Heights and across the street from me, from my mom's building right now, she's still there, is this place called the United Palace, which was a former Lowe's theater, a former vaudeville theater. Oh, wow. And it's still there, but now it's a church slash event space. But they yeah. shoot a lot of films there. And one of the films that was shot there was called We Own the Night. And We Own the Night was starring, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, which is like my most favorite actor of all time. Mark, Marky Mark, uh, Eva Mendes, like all these like A-listers, A-listers of that time were, were, were on that and directed yeah. by James Gray. And it was literally on wow. my block. So you had all PAs and like background people like all there. And I'm asking them like, yo, what's, what, you know, what's going on there? <laughs> and they're like, oh, they're shooting a movie. And I'm like, what movie? We own the night. How can I be an actor to be in movies like that? The guy, the PA yeah. was like, you have to audition. And I was like, "You're like no shit." Cool story, bro. Thank you. I I appreciate the 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 yeah. <laughs> the warmth of that inspirational <laughs> advice. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. But as fate would have it, <laughs> as fate would have it, a whole year later, right? Oh seven, I get a call from my mm -hmm. homie Geronimo, and he's like, "Yo, do you want to yes, be Geronimo? Do, do you, yeah, do you want to be in a movie?" And I said, "Of course." And then they're telling me, but but Joaquin needs a, a a dance teacher for this break dancing scene for the film Two Lovers. So if you go on my IMDb, oh, wow. my very first credit is Two Lovers. I hate that they listed wow. me as background break dancer, but I did a lot more <laughs> than background break dancing. Um, yeah, I I went to his house. I went to Joaquin's house, and I had to teach him some dance moves. So that's my first. Like interaction, working with a professional. When I saw him go from the person that he was, I, I, I'll tell you guys this story a little more in depth off the record. <laughs> yeah. But on the yeah. record, I will leave it as he was the kind of person that you open your eyes wide and you're like, whoa, can I even like do something with this man that, that yeah. will help him out? But then he would switch it when he was on set. So he went from being like, wow, oh, yeah. to like very incredibly gifted and talented in what he does. Yeah. Like that man deserves everything that he's done on screen because it's the, the way he is, how he switches that. And I'm enamored by yeah. transformation. You know, I'm a break dancer because I wanted to be Spider-Man and I couldn't figure out how to be Spider-Man in reality. So I was like, oh, I'll just be a breakdancer. Boom. Done. Pretty close. <laughs> yeah. And now as an actor, it's like I get to be me. But, you know, just the other day I was, I was acting as a Mexican pandillero. Or, or a few weeks ago I was like a, a freaking um, guidance counselor. You know, so I get to be all these like cool yeah. transformative like careers that it's just... Very inspiring, and that's what gave me the bug, seeing that transformation. Oh, my gosh, I love that. No, but I, I know that you, like, you know, you rep Washington Heights mad hard, and you have a very specific point of view on the recent In the Heights film, um, which, you know, we were talking about a little bit on social media. Can you talk about that a little bit and maybe talk about how growing up in Washington Heights has influenced your art personally? I'll start with the latter. So yeah, I grew up in Washington Heights my whole mm -hmm. life. Wash Heist Jesus is what they call me uptown. I'm, I'm, <laughs> because when you think of Manhattan prior to now, this movie, you don't mm -hmm. ever really 
say Washington Heights, you think Harlem or anything south of Harlem, right? Yeah. And coming up, you know, the Bronx, the Boogie Down, they even got this, like this really cool X stuff, you know? Yeah, or, yeah. Or, or Queens, all the f- famous hip-hop people that have come out of Queens or Brooklyn, you know, Jay-Z, Jigga Man, you know, you, every yeah, every er- area of the five boroughs, Staten Island, even Staten freaking Island, <laughs> with, with, well, right here with Wu-Tang, you, you yeah, know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, every area has, like, their core like group of people that represent their neighborhood washington heights has never had that never and basically growing up that was my chip on my shoulder i named my crew my breakdancing mm. crew wash heights because i wanted people to utter the name washington heights I wanted Washington Heights yeah. to be accounted for. I w- and, and look, some heavy hitters came out of the Heights from my crew that are now worldwide. And, and we did a lot coming up. And yeah. I rep Washington Heights because of the sad fact. You know, it's, it's a small little Dominican Republic neighborhood that is just, mm-hmm. you don't really hear much about it. So I always wanted to be the enforcer of like, no, we are we're like Washington Heights is here. And that was always my chip on that on my shoulder. And I will always rep Washington Heights no matter where I go as Wash Heights Jesus. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> I'm dead. So, so here's why I'm very critical about the movie In the Heights. And mind you, what I posted had nothing to do with the backlash that they've received. This whole yes. like representation of like Afro Latino, I can see that, but I would be very hypocritical because mm-hmm. as an actor, I'm going out to play Mexican roles, I'm going out to play Puerto Rican roles, I'm going out for a whole bunch of variety of roles, and I've booked roles as other specific Latin American ethnic group. So that'd be yeah. very hypocritical of me f- to say that. My problem was way back in 2017, I auditioned for In the Heights when it was part mm-hmm. of the Weinstein Company. It was a fair Ooh. share, right? There was no Lynn Manuel Miranda because yeah. the rights had been sold or purchased by the Weinstein Company. But it just so happened that the mm-hmm. week after, or the same week, lies the same week that I get the email for that audition. I was in LA. I was working in LA, so you could already begin to imagine how stressful it is to try to put a musical theater piece while you're out in LA, mm-hmm. trying to get an accompanist to, yeah. to, to come and play the piano for you. It was it was it was just worst timing, but I was out there and I did what I had to do. I'm told, please stay on hold, right? You already start to feel your stomach and, and every <laughs> goose bump in your body start to think, wow, I have a legit. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein now is the news, Ugh. and now in the heights and anything that's saying that name. Yeah, it gives me the shivers. <laughs> yeah, well, Sick. yeah, Harvey Weinstein now comes into play, so now anything that's being produced by the Weinstein Company is now shut down, and then a year later in 2018, oh. Warner Brothers now purchases in the heights, so now people that were not involved within the heights are now yeah, involved. involved my chances and everything that's it i don't hear back nothing dude like nothing so i was like all right cool 
I have never seen the musical. I had never, mm-hmm. like, no involvement or whatever, but I'm re- I have representation. So the yeah. moment one thing doesn't go for me, I'm already thinking on the next because I have great reps that are sending me out. So I hear yeah. nothing back about In the Heights. And then, of course, In the Heights is being shot right at my mom's building, like, by her way. So <laughs> I'm going uptown to see my mom, and In the Heights is being shot. In the Heights is being shot where I used to dance practice, where I held my own breakdance events called In the Heights at Highbridge where the pool scene happened. Like, now they're in yeah. all over my area, and I'm like, well, I'll be damned. Like, <laughs> uh, this whole thing is happening, and it's not including me, but you know what? Whatever. You know, there's other things that can happen. In the now, it's like, oh, well, damn. But you just got to always think the entertainment industry is not going anywhere. So it's going to happen. Yeah. Now we're in 2020. I get a phone call, which let me give you all a piece of advice. If you don't have a website, have a website. You must have a website. Because this man called me because he Googled Latino actors. And my page came up on that Google search. And he hit me up in 2019 for another project to do ADR work. He was like, can you speak Spanish? Can you put on this accent? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And and I've been working with him ever since. That's wild. Just oh, wow. more yeah. more important than your social media presence. I'll I'll be honest with you because of the Google search. So I get a call to do ADR work on In the Heights. So mm-hmm. basically, I've done. I love ADR work. It is like the most fun thing you can do as a voiceover actor. But yeah. now they hired a whole bunch of Dominicans to put their voice on some of the actors and background actors of In the Heights. So now I'm seeing all these people that don't represent the culture be in this film where now I have to put my voice on on them. Over them. You know, and and I was like, all right, that's a flex. But as you do ADR work, you're watching the whole film. Yeah. Because now you got to match the lips. So you, you, you watch the scene. You watch the whole scene. Now, mind you, this is like a two and a half hour movie. So I was there from like 9 a.m. until like 8 p.m. So I got paid time and a half. Just And for the record, I do hope the movie does very well because that is residual checks, baby. <laughs> so, so, um, so I'm watching this whole movie and I don't see nothing that represents my neighborhood, my culture, prominent figures from the area that represents Washington Heights like there are some characters in in the hood of the Heights like as a Mm -hmm. kid or even now as an adult you see them and you're like oh yeah you know they're part of the neighborhood there's a lot of salsa that's in the movie that I'm like Washington Heights is about merengue and bachata where where does salsa Mm. come into all of this there's again like you go to 181st street and there's people that are there morning to night blizzard mm-hmm. yo the the world could be <laughs> breaking down and they're gonna be there selling habichuelas con dulce i don't know if you guys know what that is it's like this sweet no sweet bean um kind of like desserty kind of thing it's it's it sounds insane oh, okay. but it's actually really tasty if we ever go up there i'll hook you up and please please <laughs> i lived in the heights for a while i never tried it <laughs> oh my god oh man well listen like there's just a lot of prominent figures that were left out and you yeah, would think yeah. that lin manuel would be influential being that his father who my ba- my father knows him well so i gotta watch my mouth of what i say here <laughs> <laughs> but they my father and his father are homies and they have been homies because of politics in the in, in the in the city council district of washington heights district 10 
and oh, he's wow. benefited a lot from Dominican culture. So you would think that they would know, oh, we got to add more of this to represent in the Heights. So yeah. my beef with the film is that the one time, the one time that my neighborhood, my culture, my mm-hmm. like heritage gets to be on a big screen was literally not there. And it was stripped from mm. us. It was taken from us. It is a good movie. It does promote hope. It does promote a lot of Latin American inclusivity. But you should have called this yeah. something else, not wa- not in the Heights, because that's not what Washington Heights looks like. <laughs> Washington Heights is a very specific neighborhood. Specific. And that specificity was not there. And and it breaks me like I can start crying right now. It breaks it breaks my heart. I, I have like goosebumps and I feel yeah. I feel that I'm sorry that you had to do that. And I'm sorry you had to do the voiceover. And that was my first time watching the movie. That was my first time um recognizing that storyline. Like I had known about it, but it, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not into musical theater like that. So I never went to see the Broadway show. I, yeah. I've been more of a like legit I don't mean legit, like straightforward, but like in the category mm-hmm. of commercial or legit theatrical, I'm more legit theatrical yeah. than than um, musical theater. So I I had n- absolutely no knowledge of this film up until I saw it. So I'm watching this movie from beginning wow. to end, and I'm like, all right, the authenticity is on the blocks. Okay, the 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 actual neighborhood mm-hmm. is is the authenticity. And the more and more I see, it's like, wow! Oh, look at that! Mark Anthony is in this movie. You know how many like prominent, <laughs> prominent like bachateros and merengue? Like, th- there's so many people that could have been brought on board to to help enlighten the the neighborhood. Like, one of my things was that at the United Palace, Mark Anthony refused to perform yeah. there. Refused. Would not do it. Only MSG. But yet he's in the movie. But then you got somebody like Romeo Santos. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a. What are you talking about? Ro- Romeo yeah. Santos. He's he's a huge bachata guy. Like he's like the Cardi B before Cardi B of bachata. Who then <laughs> broke out of just bachata and incorporated little freaking Wayne in one of his songs. That among many other prominent like big time like performers. Yeah. He dominates at the United Palace, and they couldn't get him. Like that. That hurt me a lot. You know, because I know it's a cameo, and Mark Anthony is a good actor, but Romeo Santos acts too. You know, and mm-hmm. and 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 that's where it hurt me. As far as what people are saying about the Afro Latino, Latina community, and and people that yeah. are speaking up about that, I I didn't see it that way. I think they're aiming mm-hmm. their their vision on the leads. Because they were of Puerto Rican, most of them are of uh, Puerto Rican, Mexican. I think in, we have only yeah. maybe two Dominicans in the whole film, so I think I think that's where they're aiming their like cry to. Yeah. But again, I'd be I'd be a hypocrite if I jumped jumped on board on that because I'm one that I auditioned to be Mexican, I auditioned to be Puerto Rican. You know how many times I've been Puerto yeah. Rican in, in in my resume? So more than Dominican, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so I I won't speak on that because I'd be a hypocrite if I did. I have a side question. Um, why do you like? Why do you think that happened? Do you think it's something that they're just like lazy about it? Like, do you think like? 
you know, they have this 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 musical, right? That's very popular. I think it won it won the Tony, right? Something like that won the Tony that year. I feel like yeah, yeah, it, it's it won everything. Popular. Yeah. Um, and then they're adapting it, and I do think it was just like, oh, like we were doing enough, or do you think it was like something that was kind of intentional? Like, okay, we're not gonna. I'm just curious, like what, like how does that happen? Like I feel like that's just a huge mistake that they can make, and I'm like, I don't understand how that happens. <laughs> uh, I'll give you an assumption, and I'll give you two takes. One, the director. We start there. John Chu, right? Crazy Rich Asians. And I've known John mm-hmm. Chu for a while, by the way, because of my dance background and the Step Up films, right? So, um, yeah. Do you think he would have hired a Korean to play Chinese in Crazy Rich Asians? Or do you think he would have hired a, a, someone of Japanese descent to play um, Chinese or Taiwanese in Crazy mm-hmm. Rich Asians? Now, if you don't know the background of Asian culture, if you call someone that's Japanese Chinese, that is a major, that's, that's, very, that's a slap in the face. He knows yeah. that. He knows that very well. So it's not a mistake. They know what they were doing. The second thing I mm. would tell you is that because Lin-Manuel is not of Dominican Afro descent background, right? He... He knows what the neighborhood is about. As I've mentioned, his father has very much been successful through Dominican culture in Washington Heights and through the political you know, spectrum. He For knows sure. what he was doing. But <laughs> their vision, their vision was, okay, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm from Washington Heights. I have this very successful In the Heights movie that's, that, that was a musical and now it's going to be, now why don't we make this multi-ethnically cultural which is cool because yeah you know that one of the leads is of mexican descent one of the leads is puerto yeah. rican one of the leads is dominican you know so they wanted to make this yeah. like a multi like every latin latino background that you can and i get yeah. i get why people are angry because we have been able to break in terms of being in front of the camera as dancers and stuff like that especially in step up films but as far as like the people yeah. that talk as far as the people that talk and have more than 0.5 of a second of camera time, you know, mm-hmm. that's where the outcry comes because it's like, I, I still can't see someone that looks like me on the big screen. So I, I don't think this was a mistake. I think this was a vision that they had. And mm-hmm. people have come for me when I did say things uh, uh, in my regard of this movie, my opinion. But, you know... How do you get change to happen? Mm-hmm. You got to speak up. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we all earned our amendment rights and continue to earn more statute laws by speaking up. And hopefully this would answer maybe some of those critics when uh, another opportunity like this happens. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. I had an involvement with West, West Side Story and I am very patiently waiting for that movie to come out <laughs> because that movie the the sharks yeah. are all puerto ricans from hell's kitchen right hold that thought we'll revisit this uh, when <laughs> part yeah, two we'll bring you back well thank you for sharing all of that with us i appreciate you opening up and you know sharing that especially you know for for me a uh, white girl from connecticut like i i'm still learning a lot and so i appreciate all of that Thank you. No I mean, doubt. same for me. Like, you know, I, 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 like, I think I was telling Samantha that I really enjoyed the film for what it was, but like, like, I feel like I'm not the rep, I'm not the, 
the the audience for that, right? Like, I, I feel like my opinion doesn't really matter because like people who are from the community felt like they weren't represented and they have right they had the right to speak up and speak out against what they deem is um even more marginalization to an already marginalized community. So yeah, yeah, I think people should speak up and and share course, their thoughts, yeah. and people shouldn't like attack people for speaking up. You know, like I think we need to have these discussions, no matter like how challenging and how uncomfortable they may be like they're important conversations to have yeah and you know and we all need to voice. learn and we all need to do better I, I just think that is funny though because social media now keeps you in the loop of people's opinions and thoughts but mm-hmm. the same people that were being attacked for supporting black lives matter and george floyd just a year ago people were coming after them like god you guys are mm-hmm. so hateful like you know, now those people that were being attacked for supporting Black Lives Matter are the ones that are attacking the ones that are speaking up for inclusivity, for equal representation when it comes to movies such as In the Heights. So, kind of, yeah. kind of funny when you um, have a bird's eye view and see things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not, not to, for the record, not to put Black Lives Matter and George Floyd yes. on the same like spectrum or parallel yeah. universe it's it's much different but i'm just i'm just making the correlation yeah, of sir. how someone goes from supporting a movement to then hating on others that are you know trying to start a conversation and it's like yeah. dude you like you gotta you gotta kind of like check yourself you know yeah. mm-hmm. but no disrespect to black lives matter or any oh, of that yeah. Not to take a hard turn and totally change topics, <laughs> but I want to bring it back to you and your art. And I just, um, again, thank you for sharing all that. Absolutely. Really um, but do you have a project that you've worked on that you're most proud of? Yeah, totally. Um, well, I'm going to give the cliche answer first and then I'll get a little more specific. <laughs> but every job that I book, I'm proud of. Well, yeah, I mean, you, yes. you know, you're, you're, you're going through a massive amount of people saying the same lines that you're saying when it comes down to who they pick, you know? So that in itself, just one yes equals so much happiness over a thousand no's. But the one that really sticks to me a lot is, um, believe it or not, ADR work that I did with um, Ang Lee. And I'll never forget this. I would never, ever, ever forget this. And that's when I knew that, like, I I think I'm doing something right. You know, I I booked this uh, part. First of all, it's one of the hardest offices to book. A.V. Kaufman Mm -hmm. um, casting. Oh, yeah. She's she's really intimidating, a very intimidating force because she's seen it all. I mean, she's cast people like Daniel Day-Lewis, to say the least. And if that doesn't tell you much, you know, then... (laughs) And shit, you know, and I imagine this little Jewish woman right there in front is just like five foot two. And then she, this five foot two human being is just so present. And, you know, your the ability of you booking lies on her hands because she's the gatekeeper. But I booked this part on this film called Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. It didn't do well. The movie didn't do well. But yeah. this one actor who, who beat me out some years before, he got cast and... He didn't do a great job. So they <laughs> cast a voiceover actor or an actor who can yeah. spice up the lines and insert their voice on his body. His, so yeah. now here I am, right? So I go, I audition, I, I did my thing enough to get me the job. I show up to the studio 
where I was there just a week before, I was doing ADR yeah. work on myself for um, girls. I was there for girls. Oh, I, yes. So it was it was really cool that I walked in there and I knew everybody. Everybody knew me. I knew everybody. <laughs> so you got this like two-time Academy Award winning director introducing himself. And then everybody's like, oh, snap, Pedro, what are you doing here? You're back. And I'm having like a conversation <laughs> with them. And, and meanwhile, this Academy Award guy is like, well, who's this guy? Like, you know, so I walked in there and I got to do my thing and work with, again, I'm going to say this again. A two-time Academy Award-winning director. Yes. And I just... I, I came out of there because that studio is on 22nd Street and my acting studio is on 27th. And I literally ran to my mm. acting studio to tell my teacher, yo, do you want to know what yes. I just did? <laughs> and... That's so beautiful. Ever will forever be in my heart. Incredible. Yeah. Congratulations. That's a that beautiful is. story. Oh, so we're coming to the close of our interview. I don't want it to end, though. I know. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> You're dropping these these pearls, man. Oh, man. It's I so mean, fantastic to talk to you. You know, level. I'm around. <laughs> yeah. I always make time for my peeps. There we go. I guess I wanted to ask you... Because I know you do a lot of, like, speaking at schools, like, when schools were in session. I mean, you probably did it virtual, too. I think I did see you with no pants on doing a virtual. <laughs> That's why I asked you um, earlier, is this video? Do I need to put a shirt on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was going to ask you if you have any advice for any like for uh, for kids, you know, especially specifically black and brown kids who looking to make a career in the arts. Like, what would you share with them? I'll, this is going to sound like a broken record because anybody that's been at my pep rallies have heard this and they're going to hear it again. And for those that haven't, then <laughs> this is what I'll tell you out of the experience, especially now coming out of 2020 and, you know, whatever else we have left of this pandemic. I'll tell you this. Black and brown, we're, you know, if, if you've ever read the book Freakonomics, if you have a name like mine, Pedro Morillo Garcia and you get an application, <laughs> that's already a red flag because I can have the same credentials as someone named, I don't know, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Shout out. But we, we, we could have the same resume, but more likely than not, Mr. Patrick Stewart is going to get the job over me. And that's just historically, and it's just mm -hmm. been proven through free economics. So what I will yeah. tell you is you can never take the foot off the gas, ever. Mm-hmm. When you feel tired, drink coffee, I don't know, figure it out, but you got to keep pushing because keep there pushing, are people yeah. that will take the job without putting as much work or effort as you. And when it comes to the arts, people are going to say, well, why don't you write your own work? Well, why don't you do this? You, you can do that. You can. But breaking yeah. out of your shell is the number one thing that you can do. And it's not even just about performing. It's just about being present, being everywhere, being being likable people will remember you because you made them smile people will remember you yeah. because how you made them feel you'll never be forgotten and you gotta be smart my teacher told me actors are the smartest ones in the room and I've always believed that through education that is possible and what I mean by that mm -hmm. what I mean by that is I'm the kind of person that I can talk to you about politics which my podcast is about that if you see my podcast I start uh, uh, the politics, dance, acting. I can yeah. talk about a lot of things, current events. You want to be able to relate to everybody. If you're in a meeting, how I got into my agency is because my my agent just so happened to like talking about Hillary Clinton and I knew everything to know about her. 
So we spoke about her. <laughs> yeah. And we had an hour of just talking about her. And then he was like, so you want to be down? I was like, yeah, put me down. <laughs> Nothing to do about my acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just knew how to sell myself. And, and so yeah. just be the smartest person in the room and be able to relate to anything and everybody. And then one advice that I would mm -hmm. also give, you're going to be broke unless you come from a wealthy family. You're going to be broke as hell. Mm -hmm. Be very, very comfortable with that. Like that takes a lot of true grit and perseverance to see yeah. your friends that do not do this, have a nine to five or employment and they're living out every weekend doing their thing. And you're over here yeah. having ramen at like... 10 a.m. because that's just what it is. Be comfortable with that, but also start seeing that you can also do other things such as learn and educate yourself with finance. It doesn't take away. That is something that I wish I would have learned. Yeah, I had a teacher that, that said, uh, don't just know about acting. You need to know about other stuff so you can communicate with people and like not be that person who can only speak about one thing because yeah. like no one just talks about no one's like one dimensional no. you know so i think that's so true pedro yeah but i mean you gotta when look man when you're selling yourself the moment there's dead air now you're making the other person uncomfortable hashtag facts hashtag facts <laughs> and i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm gonna add one more thing please The, this and this this could be a gift and a curse but you just gotta be able to do your thing and 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 make it be a gift more than a curse But when you mm -hmm. do something, whether it's a survival job, haha, <laughs> shout out, hey. or it's, you know, your craft or what you want to do or an acting class or you got to give 100%, even if it's something mm -hmm. that you don't want to be doing, but you're forced to be there because you just have to do what you got to do. That in itself yeah. shows your work ethic. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very big Kathy Griffin fan. And in her memoir, her first book, she said, no matter what I did, I was the best at it. If I was a server, I was the best server. If I was working in retail, I made sure I was the best at working in retail. So I, I totally love that. I love that. Can you, so just to, so we're going to play a really fun game. We always like to end the episode with a game um, just to like bring it back to fun and, and lightness. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and where everyone can follow that and how you got started with that in the pandemic? Before we jump into the game. Yeah, I'll make it quick too. So my podcast is called What's the Status? And it's available anywhere you listen to podcasts, YouTube oh. as well. And it's a variety of topics on the status of dance, hip hop. People are always, like I said, I can hold the conversation in regards to, do you throw a category and let's have a conversation or a debate. I got you. <laughs> yes. So I decided to, put things out there because at the height of George Floyd, everybody wanted to protest and break mm -hmm. stuff and do things. I don't have a voice that reaches millions of people, but I thought, mm -hmm. man, if people just knew this is June of last year, all you need to do is look at people that are not supporting your idealistic views and vote them the fuck out. Vote them out. Just get them out of there. Mm -hmm. It's it, The power yeah. lies in voting. So I would preach on my yeah. social media and like, guys, like protesting is cool. Letting our voices heard is cool. But an even cooler thing is voting. That is the biggest yeah. voice that we have. Well, look at my shirt. Nasty women vote. Exactly. <laughs> and I've been preaching yeah. this since like, you, you know, the, 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 the gun shooting thing that happened in Florida, uh, a Parkland shooting and, and, the, oh, march, Parkland, and yeah. the march for our lives. Like that's a great social media thing. But that's not going to get anything done if the people that are in the Senate or in the House 
don't vote or strike things down. Yeah. We, we got to get the people that will share our views in there. So I created a podcast where I can enlighten people and touch up on the status of certain topics. And it even involves like acting. Like how can I become... So you want to be an actor. It's a two-part series where I'm always mentoring people how to get into acting, where to train, what to do after, like separating the passionate versus the business side of acting. And For sure. I, it's, a, it's a nine episode part or 10 episode part series. 10 is my favorite number, so I thought I'd cap it at 10. Oh, well, yes. Well, it goes to show, I always bring 10 out of 10. So here you go. <laughs> Boom. Oh, well, thanks. This was an oh. awesome interview, and I really appreciate you sharing everything. And you're such a passionate speaker. Uh, and I really No, you're enjoyed. such a beautiful human being. Yeah. You're yeah. dope. Inside and out, You're man. really dope. Wow. Well, yeah. if you can believe it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. That's it. Just do it. There it is. All right. So we're going to play a really awesome game called Just Dance. All right. And it's a trivia <laughs> game. Jason, cue the music. Okay. Who played Nina, a.k.a. the Black Swan, in Black Swan? Natalie Portman. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. There you go. See, there you we're go. Off to a good start. Okay. Uh, my, my biggest crush growing up. Really? Oh yeah, love me some Natalie Portman. <laughs> Star Wars. Ooh. Hello. Arriba. <laughs> okay, number two. Who played Ren in the original Footloose? Kevin Bacon. <gasps> wow. Oh, yeah. Good work. Two for two good so for far. Two. Uh, which early two thousands boy band starred in the film You Got Served? B two K. What? Jeez, are you on the Google Doc? Oh right my now? God, you're telling us. <laughs> I was just reading that question and I was like, I don't even know who B2K is, genuinely. <laughs> Featuring Marcus Houston. Damn. Yeah, yeah. He was not. He was not B2K. This pop diva made her big screen debut in the camp classic Burlesque. Aguilera. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh man. Uh, who starred in the cult classic Save the Last Dance as a white girl who ends up learning hip hop to get into Juilliard? <laughs> like what? Julia Stiles. What? Wow, You're killing you this. Really are killing this. Okay. Who starred as Honey in Honey? <laughs> Jessica Alba. Oh my gosh. Ding ding ding. You're incredible. Okay, two more. Let's see if wow. we can keep two it up. Two more. All right. Which hunky actor starred in both Magic Mike and the original Step Up? I know his name. Channing Tatum. <gasps> yeah. Congratulations. Damn. I mean, I am my job. <laughs> wow. Okay, last. Which bad boy of R&B had a role in the film Stomp the Yard? Bad boy of R&B. <laughs> I know that's Columbus Shorts film. Chris Brown? Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Chris Brown, yeah. <laughs> Wait, he was in the first one? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he's like the, yeah, yeah. He's like the little brother and, and they kill him or something. He gets killed or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, spoiler. Spoil- <laughs> spoiler from 2007. Yeah, definitely spoiler. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. I am floored and impressed that you just like spit that out. I would have gotten an actual zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pedro, thank you so much for coming on. I had a great Absolutely. time getting to know you and chatting with you. Absolutely. Um, I'm here for you yeah. guys, whatever else you guys need. I'm, I'm just, you know, thank you. a direct message away or email away. And um, so nice. <laughs> I will do my best to get right back to you. 
Speaking of direct messaging, where can your fans who may discover you from this episode find you? Social media on Instagram and Twitter at Broadway D-R-O, Broadway Dro. And yes. um, my website is also www.pedromurillo.com. Yes. Are you on TikTok? At Pedro Murillo Jr. Boom. Wow. And Snapchat? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Snapchat? <laughs> and make sure you follow us if you're not following us at Survival Drops Pod on Instagram and Twitter and at Survival Drops a podcast on Facebook. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop. Yeah, something like that. Where can people follow you if they want to stalk you, Sam? Sammy oh, Toots. There it is. S A M M Y T U T Z. And follow my partner friend. <laughs> partner, partner friend, friend. yes. Jason A. Coombs. Thank you, Pedro. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.